You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Warrior Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We got some big breaking news in the Auburn football world, and in college football for that matter. Gus Malzahn, as you probably well know by this point, got fired on Sunday. Uh, and uh, this is something that many people didn't expect, even though they may have wanted it at least not at this point with a high buyout, but it happened. And uh, Jared, I wanted to get your immediate reaction to hearing the news, which, I mean, we were, we were kind of preparing to talk about the Mississippi State game, and then comes along this news mid-afternoon, and we have to do an about-face and talk about this because that's, that's the big news and um, what people care about. I mean, I care about it. Um, so what's your immediate reaction to, to all this? <laughs> Uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I have about, I'm in about, you know, five different group texts and group me's and everything with Auburn people and a, and a Georgia buddy of mine texted me and said, you fired Gus. And I was like, I thought he meant to put a question mark at the end, but I hopped on Twitter just to see. And, uh, he was right. <laughs> so, um, it, it was, a it was kind of shocking. Um, you know, I, I have come to the point where I, I wondered if it was time, not because of you know, necessarily, I mean, you know, things just run their course. And I had wondered that multiple times, but I really didn't think it was going to happen. So it was a shock. And, and looking back at it, you know, you, you kind of feel sad. I mean, I know he's going to get a lot of money, but, you know, he's like a family member. And we had a lot of good memories and he did a lot of good things for Auburn. So it was a shock. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was most people's reaction was shocked. Um, I mean, everybody probably saw the video of Gus already dancing with his uh, players after the Mississippi state win, which I mean, any win is, is a good time, especially when it's an away win. But uh, to go from that to 24 hours later, getting fired is a a shock. Um, I, I don't know. I was not expecting this to, to happen. Honestly, this year, I was thinking after next year, even if he has a mediocre year, but this has been, uh, it sounds like, I mean, they, they wanted to do it almost m- immediately right after uh, the regular season was over. That's what they did. Um, and and I, they, I'm sure they already have their feelers out there trying to figure out what's going on and who to go after. And we've got a little bit of that um, later in the podcast. So um, stay tuned for who we think uh, might replace Gus. Um, but I just wanted to talk about what Auburn does now. So, Gus is no longer the head coach. Kevin Steele is going to be the interim head coach um, from now until the bowl. And uh, I, I, the only question that comes to mind is right now, this is really the first big move that we saw from uh, our athletic director, Alan Green. 
he's made you know smaller hires for volleyball coaches and that kind of stuff. But this is the first big hire slash fire that he's done while he's uh, been here at Auburn. And uh, the the like the question that came to mind immediately was, was this a mistake? So Jared, I'm going to pose that to you. Did Auburn make a mistake by firing Gus at this moment in time? Uh, I think only time will tell. You know, the there here there's you know how everybody takes sides on social media. So the two sides are. Gus is a good guy, and you know what you have with him. Be careful what you wish for. And the other side is, um, we understand that, but you got to take a risk sometimes to get better. And so you don't know. Um, it could turn out to be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. You really don't know. Um, there was a lot of money. Um, I don't know the finances of people that are donating, but I, on the surface, that's a lot of money. So um, I don't know that I would have done it. Um you got the COVID year, you know, I I really think, you know, I think there are probably two things that, that led to this. And that was the South Carolina loss. Mm-hmm. And then the, where we stand right now in recruiting. Yep. I think both of those are the big, uh, I don't know, the big points that for this year alone, people are going to look at and kind of point to that's why they decided to uh, go a different direction with head coach at Auburn for football. But there's obviously other things that kind of led up to that. And we've talked about it before. It's the LSU losses that we should have won. The same thing with Georgia, where if we had won certain games with them, uh, where when we had the better team and we should have won, we probably aren't having this conversation. But because of the way um, those games happen and they, they laid out, it it kind of sets up for Gus at some points in the game didn't do the right decision didn't make the right choice and your team ultimately lost because of that even though sometimes there were points like the LSU game a few years back where we were ahead and yet we let LSU come back um those are those are tough to come back from I have I've said this I've said this for many many years Gus's legacy comes down to about four games, in my opinion, and it comes down to he blew the lead out in Baton Rouge, <clears throat> blew the lead at home uh, to LSU, and then at I think Mark Rick's last year and Kirby Smart's first year, uh, we were we were ranked pretty high and they were not, and probably had the better team, and one of them was even at home, and he couldn't get those wins. I think if he wins those four games, I think it's a different mindset with Gus and a, a different legacy, but uh, that's football. Um you know, I mean, those teams are good too. I mean, they got athletes trying to win ball games, so it didn't happen. But uh, the 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 LSU ones really hurt because he did have the lead. He had the lead in those two games. Yeah, and, and I mean, whenever you have the lead, you almost expect your team to win. But if you're an Auburn fan, for whatever reason, we we just have that doubt in our mind because of those. Uh, sometimes it seemed like a hard loss because you're ahead. You're thinking you're going to win this, and then the other team comes back fighting and ends up winning the game. That's, But that's kind of where the Auburn fan base has kind of gone to, is just like, no lead is safe, really. And Yeah, it's an Auburn fan. Let me throw out <laughs> one of the things we're talking about, you know, what, what led to this this year. A concept I've heard, and I want to get your thought on it, was, all right, so we know the South Carolina loss was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we know recruiting's not looking good. But somebody pointed out that uh, the contract that's been Gus's—that's all we've talked about Gus for 
since 2017, the crazy contract, it's actually getting close to coming to an end. And so if he had a good year next year with a schedule that's not terrible at home, what do you do with him? Like, let's assume, what if Gus would have gone and won 10 games? Could could you sign Gus to an extension without the Auburn fan base imploding? Mm. No, that's a good point because the the contract is getting close, but you want to give a good sign to the recruits that are coming in. Hey, you got a stable coach, you know, that kind of message to them. But at the same time, like, I don't know, that's such a weird situation. So, and that's, that kind of makes me think maybe they, they didn't want to get into that and decided this is the year we're just going to, you know, rip off the bandaid and do it a little earlier than expected. Uh, just because of that situation, potentially, maybe. I mean, that's a good point. If you're not going to re-sign Gus, like if you had zero intention of re-signing Gus when the contract was up, I think you have to do it this year because if it goes and wins 10 games next year, which is not guaranteed, but with the schedule at home and how Gus Gus's record at home is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go do that, you can't fire him at that point. I mean, that would be – I mean, you can't fire a 10-win coach. So, And you're right. You have to keep enough years on a contract for recruiting purposes. So you ha- you would have had to have extended him. Yeah, no, I think you would have, um, and, and I'm sure Gus's uh, Gus probably would have been. I don't. I mean, not that money is everything to him, but he probably would have been gunning for it, uh, and probably rightly so. Um, so, I don't know. Another thought that came to mind, and this is something that kind of snuck up on me, is the early signing day, which is actually coming up this Wednesday. So on the 16th is the early signing period, which has pretty much become the new signing day. There's been so many people that now, like the best of the best, typically go in the early <laughs> signing period uh, and sign for teams. And I'm thinking this is uh, now three days ahead of that, and we just fired our coach, which is making me think, and I'm really hoping that Auburn has a plan to replace him at this point, like a really quick, like within that three-day span get somebody out there maybe by the time you're listening to this Auburn already has a head coach but at this point we don't know because literally two and a half hours ago we were told Gus is fired um so I don't know this is a tough one to swallow um especially me I grew up uh with well Tuberville but then when I was in college it was Chiswick and Gus as my head coaches like anytime I feel like it's your coach that you went to college with you know while you were there it's it's a little different i don't know well gus is a good guy i mean you know i i don't even know the people that i knew that that were fed up with him more than any you know would always admit that he's a good guy he is a good guy i think he's actually a pretty good football coach i just think it quit working at auburn for some reason i don't know why um that could be more on auburn to be honest with you Mm. We, we all know there's weird things that go on at auburn but um, it just quit working for whatever reason. And that's not a terrible thing. Um, coaches don't stay at places forever. Yeah. I mean, uh, eight years is in, you know, the modern era of pretty college long football is a pretty long time. I mean, uh, there's been coaches I, that we've seen stay at a school for one, maybe even two years and then get fired because they, they were not good. Auburn's one of the most difficult jobs in America, I think, because of who you're having to go up against every year. And if you can put on your resume that you remained at Auburn for eight years and went to a national championship and were an injured player away from probably making a playoff, mm-hmm. 
that's not bad. Yeah. Well, and I think that brings up the point of let's let's talk about this. Is who is Auburn in the grand scheme of college football and the SEC, and kind of how do we fit into that? Because I think that itself, that discussion. Um, I mean, I I grew up in Alabama. I want to be as good as Alabama, and that's we've been close at, in certain years, like 2013, 2017, even, and 2010, obviously, where we compete against Alabama and go to the championship games. I'm gonna say, but, <laughs> but I think that thinking about Auburn in that kind of, uh, I'm gonna call it like a tier, is kind of a hard thing, and that's gonna be. I mean that. I, I, I love Auburn. I think Auburn should win every game. But there's a certain tier of team that is at that level. And I think of the Alabamas, the Clemsons of the world. And I I think Auburn is right below that. Sometimes even a half step below it. Not a full step, but sometimes in that second tier. And that's that's where I honestly kind of fit them in. Like where where do you see Auburn fitting into the grand scheme of college football? Um, and I think understanding that will also kind of help us understand where we should go to get a replacement. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's easy to say, and you've I, you and I have even said this that Auburn is yeah they're a tier below your Alabamas, your Ohio States, uh, play, teams like that, and from a tradition standpoint, they are from what the resources that have been put into football complexes, at least Alabama and stuff, they are. Um, I would, you know, just kind of shooting from the hip here, I would say, yeah, I mean, your second-tier teams would be, you know, Auburn and and LSU, although they have several recent championships. I'd put Florida. I mean, Florida, you Mm -hmm. know, before Spurrier was not who everybody thinks Florida is. Um, Really, Georgia probably belongs there, too, because of the lack of championships. So I think there's there's a tier there. But the thing that makes me think, okay, can you get – the question is, can you get to that Alabama tier? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can, and the thing that proves it is what Clemson has done because Clemson was probably a tier below Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now they are – I mean, they're a blue blood, essentially. Now they're every year, and, you know, you don't want to play them. They're guaranteed locked into the playoffs. So it can be done, but you got to get lucky. The thing about Alabama is um, – they might miss on a hire or whatnot, but you know they're always going to be back. Um, with a place like Auburn, if you're not that top tier, you, you can't miss on a hire mm-hmm. um, because the drop off could be, you know, could be really bad. Yeah. Well, and one thing I definitely want to give Gus some props on, despite it being a tough job, this was, uh, I mean, he consistently had at least you know, a 500 record, and even his worst year, seven wins. It, but had a ceiling of potentially almost going to a national championship. Well, he did go to a national championship in 2013, but I'm talking, I'm thinking about 2017 where you're literally a play, like you said, a player away um, getting injured from maybe winning that game and going to the playoffs. And that's something uh, to me, that's kind of where Auburn's coach uh, like needs to have that, that floor of somebody who can at least win. I mean, I say I hate saying seven because I, I would definitely want way more than that. But on a terrible year, your recruits aren't good. You know, your quarterback doesn't work out. You know, the things that do happen in college football, but still managing to have a winning season is something I feel like 
we need to have at least a base of. But I think we need to honestly have uh, an expectation of also beating our rivals. I mean, that's something I think we already talked about it. Gus had an issue with, except for Bama. So you got to beat the Bama, Georgia, and LSU um, match up consistently. And we weren't able to do that. Um, so getting that next coach is, for me, that's something I really want to look for. Um, Jared, what kind of things are you looking for as a requirement for this next head coach? I think it all starts with recruiting. I think it's always been a big deal, but for what, you know, right now, I mean, it is, you would think it'd be more parity this day and age because you can go anywhere in America a lot easier than you ever could before mm-hmm. pre COVID obviously. But, um, and, and there, you can get your name brand out a little people in Washington state can learn about Auburn very easily. So, but it's not, you keep hearing it's always Alabama, Ohio state, Clemson. So I think recruiting I think if you keep pumping in five stars, especially on the front offensive, defensive line, I think that's how you, you know, get this thing to be more consistent than every three or four years being potentially good. Yeah. Um, so recruiting is number is number one. Um, you got to be a good guy, in my opinion. And so you're talking about, I mean, like I hate we to say like a good guy, but like we think of like an Auburn man, you know, good character, good morals, um, doesn't have issues with the NCAA is that what you're kind of talking about yeah I mean I think you know I I want anybody to not have issues with the NCAA but I think that ultimately I do want listen I want to win ball games as much as anybody but I also want them to be a character building type you know program as well where guys come through and they learn about life not only football and Mm -hmm. Gus obviously had that piece of it down I think um you know but you got to beat your rivals I mean when it's on the field you got to beat your rivals and you got to at least, I think the thing that it was a slow, slow effect of this, but we quit becoming even competitive on the road against them. And, um, I mean, it was almost like you went into the game thinking, you know, it used to be deals where we used to win at Athens a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Georgia would win at Auburn and you would, I mean, there was times we owned Tuscaloosa, but, you know, we used to play it in Birmingham and went to Tuscaloosa and they had not even scored a point on us for like three games. So, you know, there's no chance we win at those places right now or hasn't felt like it the past few years. So you got to get that back somehow. You got to be able to go into every game at least thinking you have a shot to win. That is not easy because those are two juggernaut recruiting programs. Yep. But Auburn can become one too, and I truly believe that. Yeah. So you made a good point about you have to get the recruits, and I I think that should be another criteria of – has knowledge of the SEC, but also has a knowledge of Auburn and kind of where it fits in recruiting around that area. Because we're not going to necessarily go to you know Illinois and like grab a guy, even though you may have a, a you know, I don't know you may have a connection to an Illinois high school or something. We're probably not doing that. But if there's a guy in Alabama, a player in Alabama that we really want to go after it, and you know their head coach, you have a probably better shot at getting that guy. So having knowledge of the area and what Auburn has, is their bread and butter of where we go and recruit, I feel like is a big, big thing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, and I haven't even told you this. Matt Campbell at Iowa State would probably be my number one pick just because of what he's been able to do there. The only drawback with him is, how well is he going to recruit in the South? Mm-hmm. Because 
you got to come in and build these relationships. All recruiting is is having relationships with these high school coaches. And if you're coming in and going up against people that already have those relationships and you have no ties down here, that's tough. I mean, you're starting at ground zero. But yeah. from a what have they done on the field with what they have, I mean, Campbell to me is one of the easy looks, and I don't even know if his name is being mentioned, but that's my personal preference. Yeah, I think I saw his name thrown around a couple times. Um, do you want to jump into I mean, we can jump into like who our top picks are for the new head coach for Auburn. Um, you want to jump into that right now? Yeah, let's do it, man. I mean, there's so many names out there, so many rumors. Um, at this point, we really have no ideas um, exactly who it's going to be. Um, but based on what we know Auburn likes to do, uh, my first thought was we like to go after guys who have you know some tie to Auburn. And the two ones that came to mind, Chip Lindsey and Rhett Lashley. But I don't know. I, I, I just have a feeling we're probably not going after Chip Lindsey. He's had an all right season and, you know, tenure at Troy right now but I don't think it's it's enough to be uh, a good enough hire for Auburn um, Rhett Lashley on the other hand has had a better season um, where he's gone after Auburn and has developed himself into much more of a um, maybe something we go after but even still I don't know if that's the we're, we're going for the I mean especially now I think we go for the home run hire um and I don't, I don't know if Rhett's that guy. Um, what, are, what are some of the top that you, you've kind of heard and uh, any ones that kind of stick out to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we do Chip Lindsay or Rhett Lashley. I think that um, uh, there's a people are going to want people connected to Auburn, but I think there's a growing sentiment now that we need to think outside the box. And I don't think you fire Gus $21 million and go hire Rhett Lashley. No offense to Rhett Lashley. Um, I just don't think that's what you do. So the ones that are being thrown around right now the most on Twitter, which means nothing, are Cristobal and Hugh Freeze. Yeah. And, you know, the some of the national writers are leaning more Freeze. Hmm. And some of the people that claim to have connections at Auburn are leaning more Cristobal. Um, I, neither one of them made me jump out of the chair, to be honest with you. Freeze, obviously, we won't recap it. Uh, we've all made mistakes, but Freeze has baggage. Yep. Um, Freeze would come with a target on his back from the NCAA, I believe. Coupling that with Bruce Pearl, <laughs> I just don't know if that's a great thing for Auburn to do. Yeah. Freeze may be a fantastic human being and may have changed his life around. Maybe the best human being ever now. He may be, but perception is reality in this business. Uh, Cristobal, don't know a ton about him. Um, I mean, somebody made the point last year, Gus beat him. I mean, he beat Cristobal, mm-hmm. um, and Cristobal had a senior quarterback, and we had a true freshman. So yep. the only thing that's good about Cristobal that I that I keep hearing, and I have no idea, is that he is a recruiting machine. And if he truly is a recruiting machine, you can hire coordinators to do offensive and defensive things. So um, maybe he is a good hire. Yeah, but those are the two I'm hearing the most. I don't, what are you hearing? Yeah, no, I thought I've definitely heard Mario Cristobal and mostly because of his experience recruiting in the sec when you have that experience already i think that it's kind of like your roots it's the the system of getting the guys into and making a flourishing tree which is your program is having those good recruiting roots out and he's already got it in alabama and florida he knows that um and when you have that it makes it easier to um 
really get your guys in there that you really want because you already, like we already said, you have the, you have the good relationships with the head coaches at high schools around the area. Um, and, and then like you had mentioned, the other one is Hugh freeze. And I, I personally wouldn't go for him. Um, just with all that he's, he's had gone with his NCAA stuff. Um, we already have issues with Bruce Pearl. It's obvious what kind of target puts on Auburn automatically, even though I legitimately think that, you know, the cookout, whatever, and go on with him. Bruce is about as clean slate as possible. I mean, for goodness sakes, the FBI didn't even charge uh, Bruce Pearl with anything. So I think having Hugh freeze would kind of put that target also even more directly on Auburn's back. I don't know if that's what you want. Maybe he brings some wins, but I just don't know if we Here, want to go. Here's that an idea. Uh, since we're a basketball school now, what if we hire you just to take the pressure off Bruce? Like they like, all right, we're done with y'all. Y'all keep y'all go do your thing. Um, <laughs> we're looking into football now. <laughs> we hire, we sacrifice football so that they'll leave Bruce alone. Oh man, that that would be crazy. Like put yeah. the target directly on Hugh Freeze's back and says, yeah. Bruce. And so they yeah. leave Bruce alone. They forget about Bruce. Bruce goes and does his thing, keeps recruiting five stars. And we win a basketball national championship. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy for sure. Hey, Auburn family. We're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are. And we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. Another guy that I heard, and this is one of those like pie in the sky. I don't think we would get him, but it would be maybe a, I mean, this is one of those, it could be a great is Brent Venerables for the defensive coordinator from Clemson. Um, he does have, you know, ties kind of around the area, not exactly what Auburn recruits after, but you know, close enough that he could probably you know pick up. Um, and he has a big enough name now at, at what he's done with Clemson. But you, you have the big question mark, can he be a head coach? Um, because he doesn't have that big head coaching role uh, that you're probably looking for, especially for Auburn. So if do you risk it? Do you risk hit this being his first head coaching job? Because, I mean, it, I just think back to what we did with Chiswick. And you know, we did win a national championship under him. But – He's a defensive coordinator at heart. Um, I don't I, know. I, here's the thing that so if we could blend them all together, you know, like Cristobal is a good recruiter, Freeze is a good offensive mind, 
mm-hmm. Venables is going to bring that culture that Dabo built at Clemson. Um, you know, that's what he's going to bring. But the problem is, is that Venables is a defensive-minded guy. And you don't win championships with defense anymore. You used to, but now you win them with recruiting ridiculous wide receivers. And you can take a three-star quarterback, Alabama's proven this, and turn them into a Heisman candidate. You spread that thing around and you score on chunk plays. That's the yep. new That's the new offense. Yeah, and definitely. Venables would not be bringing that and probably wouldn't even have a plan. Now, can he go hire a coordinator? He absolutely can go hire a coordinator to do that. But that's another question mark. I think that's why Freeze is so enticing. He's not to me. I, I'll be clear, I don't want Hugh Freeze. To me, I think if you're going to hire Hugh Freeze because of his offense, you go hire Lane Kiffin because he comes with less baggage. Now, Lane has some baggage, mm-hmm. but he comes with less of it, and he's also very innovative with offense. Yeah. Or you can even look at Sarkeesian at Alabama. Sark did not pan out as a co- as a coach, but Sark had some personal things he was dealing with that I think he's gotten worked out, and so maybe that works. But you do, I think, have to be thinking very heavily on who can right the ship on offense to where we become a juggernaut to where all these kids want to come play for us. And I'm talking, you know, where you don't lose. Now, this guy's panned out to be a problem child, but where you don't lose George Pickens on signing day. You know, you're getting all those guys to come. Yeah. Um, You know, we have Seth, but we've had Seth for three years now, and and Schwartz is a good compliment, but we don't have anybody feeling it. You know, when Seth leaves, I mean, who's our go-to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we need somebody to be restocking that. Every year, no. Did I, I agree. just make any points, or did I just ramble? I don't even no, know. No, no, no. It's uh, you kind of uh, the what I got out of that was obviously we want the best of the best. I mean, when you you fire a guy right after the regular season, you you kind of want the best of both worlds. Of uh, you get a good recruiter, but also a good head coach that can lead a program and kind of bring them to what their potential is, and that's something that. Uh, I think each coach that we've kind of mentioned, and there's plenty of them out there. I'm sure you've got your favorites out there of who you want, but getting all of that in one package is going to be a little bit tough. Um, but I, I think we should seek that. I should think we should try for, for somebody like that. Um, and like I said, I feel like Auburn wouldn't have done this if they didn't already have their feelers out there for their um, quote unquote hot home run hire. I really don't. Yeah, and I'll say this, too. When uh, There's a rumor, I don't know, but when Saban was hired, I think the athletic director and them were flying back, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Saban asked the athletic director, does he think he hired a good coach? And the athletic director apparently said, I think I hired the best coach in America. And Saban said, you're wrong. You hired a heck of a recruiter. Um, and if you go look at it, Gus has outcoached Saban on some games. Like, I, I think Saban's a good mm-hmm. – I think Saban's a really, really good coach. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But Saban knows how to recruit, and Saban brought in – he went and always got top-notch coordinators. When he would lose one, he'd go get another one, and he became innovative. And he annoys the heck out of me. I don't think he's a nice guy. But um, he was innovative. He brought in great coordinators. He let them do their job, and he recruits very well. Yeah. And, and that's a formula that you can mimic. Yeah, you can. Maybe not to the exact extent, but you can do that and be successful. Yeah. I mean, you may not be getting all of the five stars, but you can probably get some of them because you, you put a program together after a few years and show, show the guys you can be a top level player. You can get some play time with us, come play for us. 
Gus and, did well at getting the four stars. Gus did really good yep. at four stars. Gus saw Gus always signed really solid classes. Yep. The problem and the difference is that when Carryon Johnson gets hurt, we didn't have somebody backing him up. When offensive linemen go down, we don't have anybody solid that's another four or five to back him up. So we could always compete when we were fully healthy. We could compete with anybody in the country. Georgia and Alabama have guys that would start at most schools sitting on their bench. Mm-hmm. We got to get, if you want to be good every year, you got to get to that level. No, you you make a really good point. And, and that's the, I guess, kind of brings us you know full circle to who is Auburn in this grand scheme of football. And it's, I think we're in that second tier, but I think we can jump up if those, those key pieces come together. Um, and that that's, only to be told by time uh, whether well, or not that can happen. Well, and one other thing I'll say about this, too. The second tier is not bad. We won a championship in 2010. We were a minute away from winning one in 2013. Like, yep. the second tier can win championships. Yeah. The first tier is in playoff games every other year. The second tier is, all right, you got to wait till a Bo Nix becomes a senior before the light goes off mm-hmm. and then you make your championship run and then you hope you get another guy and you might do it another three or four years. That's the second tier. That's LSU. Look at LSU this year. They just beat Florida, but I mean, they didn't reload. Nope. Um, and my goodness, they, they get tons of talent down there. So there's a lot of things that go into always being good. It can happen, mm-hmm. but it's not a guarantee. I mean, we joke about how, how the Alabama always has the four or five star right behind the four or five star. And to some level, that is true. So I, I think I'm putting even more emphasis on we need a really good recruiter that can consistently recruit and understand each position of need. And I feel like sometimes uh, we, we, even though we would go after certain guys, we wouldn't get them. And that's why we've had deficiencies of, for example, offensive line for the last three years or so. And that just can't happen. That's a long time for you to not have those guys in your system so that if an offensive lineman goes down, you know, you got another guy to step in there and, and do, do the, do the work, do the job. Um, so that's just my thoughts on it. Um, any other thoughts on uh, replacements or anything? Um, I kind of want to round this out with, um, talking about Gus and his resume at Auburn, the uh, the things he did accomplish and kind of what you're you're going to remember of him. But anything else about replacement before we jump onto that? No, no, I think I think we've kind of covered the potential replacements. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about. Uh, I, I kind of want to touch on a a very a, you know a good note of Gus because I think right now um, people are going to have very mixed emotions about this. Um, especially the people who wanted Gus to be gone. They are probably, you know, excited about this, excited about the new head coach that we're going to get. And I don't want us to forget the positives that did come from the eight years that, that Gus did have at Auburn. Um, he had two SEC West, uh, championships, went to the national championship. Um, I mean, those are things that not every coach is going to do. And for those two things alone, um, I, I, I'm very happy about it. Um, but like you said, it sometimes does come down to certain games that we did lose that even when you win championships, it's, it's still not enough. So, 
Um, he also had an overall record at Auburn of 68 and 35. Um, and then, like I said, we had consistent winning seasons. Now, consistent winning seasons could have been seven, eight wins. Sometimes jumped up to you know 10, 12, 13 wins, something like that. But uh, that's kind of where we got Gus. And to come into an era where Saban is the pinnacle, that's what everybody wants. And to have still consistent winning seasons, I feel like is still something that should be, uh, I don't know, understood about this. Because most coaches in this situation, under tough situations, uh, coaching against Alabama every year and recruiting against them, that that's just tough. Um, but Jared, what do you, what do you, I guess you're going to remember about Gus, um, in his eight years and what he did for Auburn? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, so we've, we've talked about how he's a good man. He really is. I mean, I, I'm kind of sad, even though I thought it was probably time, I'm kind of sad thinking about it today. Um, but on the field, I mean, 2013 was one of the craziest, exciting years of football or sports I've ever been a part of. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it was just amazing. The prayer Jordan here, the kick six, just that offense. I mean, you know, going into the SEC championship game when they just demolished Missouri running the ball. I mean, their coach said we knew what they were going to do and we couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just an exciting year. Um, 2010, I mean, I know he was the OC at that point, but he brought us 2010. Um, 2017 to, you know, just manhandle Georgia and Alabama to end the year. Very exciting. You know, I got to go to the, uh, I got to go to Atlanta and watch him play three times because of Gus, one of them 2010. But because of Gus Malzahn, um, we made it to Atlanta three times. And, you know, we did that during an era when Nick Saban was on the other side of the state. And Nick Saban will probably go down as the best coach of all time. So what Gus Malzahn did, what we need to remember is, uh, does there come a time where you make a change? Sure, that's fine. But what Gus Malzahn did was not easy. And he was going up against Georgia, who has become a recruiting juggernaut. He's going up against Florida. Clemson's now at its prime, and they're in the same target recruits as we are. Yep. LSU, Alabama, it's probably the toughest job in America, if you want to be honest. And he held his own. Um, can we be better? We can. Can we be worse? We can. And that's the scary part. But um, I got a lot of fond memories of Gus. Um, you know, I got mad during games. There's no doubt when a game was going on, even <laughs> even the Mississippi State game. I'm like, what are we doing? But whenever I count, calmed down and thought about what Gus has done, I always came back and said, you know, uh, that's a good guy and he's a good coach. And we've had a lot of fun. It was It's been a fun ride. Yeah, and I think – I'm probably going to hold on to a lot of it was uh, some ups and downs for sure. But a lot of the ups are what I, I hold on to, um, especially 2013 that uh, while I was in school, one of the craziest years. And I, I my freshman year is 2010. I mean, that, that was crazy. But I think 2013 is right up there um, because of how that, I don't know, there was, I mean, you called it the it factor. Gus would call it the it factor. That team has the it factor, but they did. They knew how to win games and come out on top, even when nobody thought we would. And that's that's something you that comes from the head coach down to the team. The team believes it, and they execute on it. And that's something that 
I mean, even 2019, I feel like most people didn't give us a shot against beating Bama, and yet we did. And things like that that I, I'm going to hold on to of beating Bama. I mean, even I'm thinking about this, 2017 even, we beat two number ones in a span of three weeks. Has that happened? No. I don't I don't I can't think of any. Maybe it's happened for other schools. But the odds of that happening and the team believing because Gus said we can win this game is unmatched. And yeah. and that's something that I, I loved about him was he got his teams to think and believe we can do this. And on when he was on, he was really on. And there was no way um the other team was gonna beat him. We, we we said this in the last podcast, but Gus changed the SEC. The SEC was defense, defense, defense. I think Urban started that trajectory of this spread attack. Gus took it to a new level. Everybody had to change. The yeah. problem is they, they changed and kept evolving. We kind of did not. But Gus created this current offensive blow-up we have in the SEC, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Gus had Nick Saban trying to change the rules and falsely <laughs> claiming that going fast would hurt players. Yeah. Because he couldn't beat it. Yeah. You freeze would beat. Nick Saban. Gus would beat Nick Saban. So Saban said, we need to change the rules. Couldn't get him changed. He got smart and he evolved. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of – Gus has some tree branches. I mean, I think the guy at Missouri who's doing really well was a was a at least not a – may not have coached with, with Gus, but used him as a mentor. So there's a lot of people around the college football that actually accredit their success to Gus. Absolutely. And, and that's another thing that it, it kind of spread – the offense is out, but still had this power run that we liked. And if teams had thought about that before, just they they probably wouldn't have known how to stop it. I mean, for the first few years, we were able to run crazy amounts in 2013-2014 because defenses couldn't figure it out. Um, and, and I just wish, now looking back on it, we had evolved even more to keep that uh, kind of magic and mystery of uh, pushing the ball down the field on offense. Um, but yet still, Gus had some crazy times that uh, scoring plenty of points. Um, I'm just thinking about even we just came off the Mississippi State game, last year's Mississippi State game, where he put up, pff, I don't even remember, it was like 50-something points in the first half or it was something crazy like that. And that's the potential. Um, and I, I just wish that we had um, – had that more consistently sometimes that that desire to you know just blow out teams two um, more points i want to make is uh the the really the big downfall i think to gus and it's nothing look he is who he is i'm not trying to change him i think he had a little stubbornness in him and so he kept running offense as though he still had a good offensive line i don't think it ever fully clicked that hey i gotta change because i don't have because if he had a good o-line his offense would probably he'd probably still be the coordinator and would still be racking up yards mm-hmm. um that was one thing uh, the other thing is I think Gus was like 42 and 11 at home. I mean, you know, it was really the road record that got him. I yeah. mean, at home to be 42 and 11, that's not really that bad. Um, and, and, you know, somebody can fact check me on that, but I, I think it was 42 and 10 going into the A&M game. So in Jordan here, it was hard to beat Gus Malzahn. Yeah. And that's, maybe that's a, another ask of, a, uh, of our next coach is can you win away? Um, not necessarily all your games because it's just tough, but win enough um, that you are competitive. Um, because 
I just want to be competitive, if I'm being honest. Um, I want to be competitive with the best of them. Maybe not necessarily win every single one, but I want to be competitive. And I felt like at times we just weren't there. Um, Jared, let's jump into some of our thoughts just a little bit on Mississippi State. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Gus and uh, getting fired, but uh, I feel like we just came off this Mississippi State game. And uh, let's talk, you know, some high points of this. Um, Auburn did win the game 24-10. to uh, The game itself, I mean, I, I think I joked with you uh, via text. I was like, yeah, we're just going to talk about the fourth quarter because before then – it uh, wasn't a fun game to be watching. Uh, there was a lot of punting and a lot of field goals, just not a lot of action um, going on. So um, let's just talk about the fourth quarter. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, man, that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, so it, we had, you know, fantastic players throughout the whole time. One of them being Tank Bigsby. Um, this was his fourth game of over a hundred yards rushing. And, uh, that puts him in the the realm of three guys, well, two other guys, um, Bo Jackson and Michael Dyer, um, who as freshmen had that. Yeah, right? <laughs> they, they had some pretty good seasons. I, I've heard of those guys. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just to, to think already, that that's not even a full season. That's 10 conference games. Um, so, you know, and also Tank Bigsby, I think he only really played seven and a half of those because of injury. So, yeah, just think about his potential if he was healthy the whole season. He he'd probably be at a thousand yard rusher at this point. Um, so he's he's special, man. Watching him play, I just keep I just keep praying he stays healthy and doesn't get any kind of transfer bug in his ear. I don't think he will. But uh, that guy, he's so special. You want to? You kind of like want to hold? It's like holding an egg. Like don't break this thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's such a fierce runner that uh, I just want to keep him going. Like, when he's at even 80%, he's better than most running backs. Um, yeah, he's pretty so, good. He's special, man. Definitely. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about um, was just, like, the, uh, the a couple seniors. So, uh, Big Cat Bryant and uh, Jordan Peters, both of them actually ended up graduating uh, that on Saturday. Um, at noon, walking across the stage, um, and then they ended up flying to Starkville uh, for that evening 6.30 kickoff. And uh, it's a pretty cool moment there for them to not only graduate, but then also get a win uh, in Starkville. Um, and then Big Cat Bryant, I mean, to cap off his uh, season at Auburn and a career at Auburn, uh, ended up getting on his last final play a sack on the quarterback. So I just think that's good way really to go out for him. Yeah. Really sweet for him. That's a good way to go out. Yeah. Um, another thing I just wanted to talk about, and this is kind of bigger SEC, um, was I was thinking about all of the games that have been played. Yeah, of course, there's you know a game or two here and there that have been postponed, uh, but most of them have been made up. I think it's close to like 95% of the games in the SEC have been made up um, or will be made up, I guess, come next week. So... Uh, I think that's just incredible that we were able to have a football season first off, but that we were able to have so many games. So I don't know. I'm just thankful for all of the games that we did have. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, when we first said we were going to play, I thought, Ooh, I don't know. If, I don't, you know, the, the pro teams can kind of force people to quarantine and put them in bubbles 
I mean, these are college kids, you know, plus right. they have to go to class. So <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think this was going to go well. Obviously, there were hiccups, uh, and every conference handled it differently. But I would say overall, it was a pretty pretty big success. Yeah. I mean, and of course, there were teams that had, you know, some flare-ups here and there, but uh, seemed to get them mostly under wraps. And, I mean, that's that's pretty cool um, to see that, uh, that we were able to have a season. I mean, uh, and have most of our games be played. I mean, Auburn played all 10 of its games, and most of the teams are going to play all 10 of their games. If not, they're going to be playing eight or nine games um, in the SEC. So um, lots more football than uh, we probably thought in probably March. Oh, I'm going to say May, May time frame, um, when I don't know, everybody was just like, are we even going to have football in, in August and September? And thankfully, we did end up having it. So very thankful for that. Yes, sir. Um, any other final thoughts on the Mississippi State game? I know we didn't give do a whole breakdown of this, but any other thoughts and maybe plays that stood out to you? No, I mean you know, I mean, I mean, I mean that guy, that team went and scored. Uh, uh, they scored twenty four at Georgia, you know. So uh, we gave up ten. Uh, Georgia had eight rushing yards against them. Tank had one ninety two. So um, yeah, I mean I know that the game's getting overshadowed by Gus and and rightfully so. But at the end of the day. It wasn't pretty for four quarters. I'll say this real quick. I, I did have this thought. That's how a lot of games would have gone this year if our defense was what they were last year. Our defense mm, last night played yep. like they had the year before, and it gave the offense time to kind of sputter. Yep. They figured it out in the fourth quarter, and we go away. We win the ball game by 14. We didn't have that luxury this year. Our defense did enough to win every game but Georgia and Alabama, but they didn't shut people down like they did last night. No, I absolutely agree, and – that that's something that was greatly missed was having guys on the defensive side that I don't know it, it, you just could rely on them to get pressure on the quarterback or stop the run or uh, defend the pass it, it any level of defense and we were able to do it and this year there were some pretty big holes at times um, that it kind of put Auburn's offense back on the field sometimes before they they kind of figured things out and so more sputtering happened um so uh, that that's something to be uh i don't know something that i want is a more consistent defense doesn't have to be great no but doesn't have to be a consistent defense that uh at times we can rely on a little bit more i i really hope so yep i agree all right jerry before we get out of here uh how can people uh stay in touch with you uh, just find me on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?